Belt Power Tools Podcast, Episode 6. This is Kimon Hines, and this is a special two-part series that we're doing for this podcast. This is the first part of this series. It's an interview with Dr. Harold Lee, and we cover topics like the general conference session. We cover women's ordination. We cover church organization. We cover the gospel. So in this first part, Dr. Lee begins to give us an understanding of the general conference session. I want to encourage you to listen to this podcast and the one that comes out as the second part to this series. Welcome to the Pelk Power Tools podcast, where pastors gain insights and resources for fruitful ministry. And here's your host, Kimon Hines. All right, welcome to another episode of our Pelk Power Tools podcast. I'm excited again as your host, Kimon Hines, to have a special guest with us, Dr. Harold Lee. And this is a special Power Tools podcast. We're dealing with our general conference session is coming up next year and helping us as pastors, as leaders, as church members to understand the process of how our church functions. So I want to welcome you, Dr. Lee. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Dr. Lee, I, w- I want you to just kind of help our listeners to know um, your service to our church. You have served in so many areas. So help us to understand what are some of the levels and areas that you've served our church in? Well, uh, thanks be to God and the church, I have been privileged and honored to serve the church at every level in the organizational structure, beginning with uh, pastoral leadership and ministry and uh, conference as well as union, division, general conference, and also within our institutions, particularly our educational institutions, serving on many boards, as well as chairing hospital systems particularly in the Columbia Union. And in my retirement years, I continued to service uh, healthcare organizations in the Inter-American Division and have worked for a number of years, really since retirement, working with the General Conference uh, Leadership Summit Group. So I guess that one summary is, is a response to your question. So I have to say I've been blessed and still continue to respond as best I can with requests from the church. Dr. Louis, I want to thank you on behalf of every pastor, every member that's listening to this for your years of service and for the places that you've served our church. We thank you for your service. Thank you. Today, I want to get into um, you helping us to understand this process of how we select officers and select people to lead our world church and really just how our world church operates. So next year in San Antonio, our church will gather um, and they will go through the process of general conference. Help us to understand what is the general conference session all about and how does it function? Well, it's a very good question, a very broad question. Uh, I could go into a lot of detail, but let me give you a summary so that people be able to put their minds around just how God has led the Adventist Church in developing an approach that involves people uh, as the major resource in relation to God, the people of God, to use the metaphors that are in the Scriptures, the people of God, for example, the body of Christ, the family of God, and so forth. But the way it works, and I'm going to give specific reference for those who are particularly members of the local church and serve on a local church board, 
The church manual, which is a document developed uh, leading up to 1932 and subsequently every year uh, thereafter, particularly in the setting of a general conference session, is where we get our guidance on how the Seventh-day Adventist Church works structurally and particularly in the electoral process whereby through a concept called representation or representative governance, we start with the people at the local church, and you get representation at each level in the structure, local church, local conference, local uh, regional unions, uh, as well as the general conference division, and... um, Utilizing a correlating principle called nomination, people are nominated to serve in decision-making groups, local church board, conference executive committee, union executive committee, general conference executive committee, and you have other representation. And I might throw in, start, pardon me for using that word, but according to policy, mm-hmm. people who have experienced retirement may also be called upon uh, for special reasons to serve as delegates to a session of the world church. Okay. But every level of the church goes through an electoral process, so, again, mm-hmm. starting at local church level, called the nominating committee. And uh, the guidelines for that are found in the church manual. And right now we're working in the current, re- the most current revision and adapt- uh, adoption of the church manual, the 18th edition. So any, I would say to any leader and any member who serves in one of these capacities on a governing body, throw away the previous ones because the current one was adopted in Atlanta General Conference Session in 2010. Okay. But again, back to the principle, how does it work? Uh, there is through the gathering of the congregation a nomination process mm-hmm. whereby people are nominated to serve on a committee to select men and women to serve in various leadership roles in the local church level. That principle finally gets, I mean, that principle works also in principle the same way at the local conference level. Uh, based on a meeting of a constituency, and constituents gather together every four or five years, uh, and a nomination process uh, moves the church forward in who will serve in various critical positions in the leadership of the church. Right. So, so Same thing happens at the union level. Right. Same thing will happen at the general conference level as we move toward 2015. Right. So what you're saying and what I'm hearing is that the same principle that we use at the conference level to select um, conference leadership and to review the different policies and procedures of the conference, the same, the same procedure that we use at the union level. And I might even add, in a small way, the same um, procedure we use at the church level with the nominating committee is the same way that we, we do our elections at the general conference session. Exactly. Exactly. At every level in the structure the application of the principle of nominating people to serve uh, takes place. Okay. Well, then it's I'll every push two you. years. Mm-hmm. It's every two years at local church level. Mm-hmm. It's every four or five years at local conference level. It's uh-huh. every five years at union level, 
and every five years at general conference level, okay. as well as the divisions. Okay. Well, then here's the question. How can one become a delegate to the general conference? I'd like to be one. You know, I, I want to be part of the process. How, how, do I, how, is, how are these delegates selected? Well, generally you get uh, you touch categories, and as a pastor, it's quite possible you could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see how that process unfolds so that you get representation, not just from uh, pastors and elected officers at each level of the church, but um, it's quite possible. So um, hang in there. You'll see what we'll see what happens. But back to your basic question: mm-hmm. uh, as you get into the, you know, the preparations for a general conference session, which we are now in, uh, according to the working policy of the church, that's the general conference working policy, uh, the administrators of the church through annual council, they decide what will be the time. It is decided, again, by policy, how many total delegates will go to represent the church. Now, that's driven primarily by membership. Okay. Uh, the membership of the church continues to grow, particularly uh, at the division level. And because everybody's really a member of the church, from the general conference president to the person at the door as an usher is a member of the church, okay? Mm-hmm. So you, that, that, that levels the playing field. Right. But the number is based the number of delegates that will go and speak on behalf of the total church that gets capped, okay? When we look, and I don't know what the final number is going to be yet, we've just, they've just finished the last annual council at the General Conference last month, and uh, I think they probably have their hands on what the total number is going to be. But out of that number, allocations will be distributed throughout the various divisions and unions of the church. Okay. That's the path it takes. And uh, there are 13 divisions in the world church. Okay. Uh, since retirement, I don't keep up with how many unions there are, but they're probably close to 200 plus now. And the union is the basic building block of the general conference. And so those allocations of delegates will process through the unions. The unions ultimately will decide representation from the clergy and the laity of the church, and that'll include the pastors. So as I say, keep uh, keep your prayer wheel turning. <laughs> you could end up as a pastor. Okay. But uh, given the growth of the church now, here's another thing we have to keep in consideration. Given the growth of the church, where is the church growing, uh, you know, most uh, largely? And uh, when you look at Africa, that's where a large, the largest sector of the Adventist Church, the 18 million plus members, reside among the three divisions on the continent uh, of Africa. But the largest division in the World Church is Inter-America. They are exceeding well over 2 million, approaching 3 million of that 18 million. But anyway... When those final numbers are decided, how many delegates will be allotted to the various divisions and the unions, and it will process through conferences, and we'll just have to wait and see. But all of this is defined in working policy, Okay. general conference working policy, step by step. 
Okay. It would take much too long for me to go through that. But once, you know, let's say, assume now, down the road, in the months to come, January, pardon me, July, I think it's July 2 through 12 of 2015, according to policy, the General Conference session will convene in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. You recall in 2010 it was in Atlanta, and you go back previous quinquennial or five-year periods, I think since 1975, mm-hmm. with the General Conference session meets. Now, the General Conference, according to the development or evolution of the representative form of governance within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, guided largely by Ellen G. White in the development of the church, um, you will see that uh, it was decided, and you'll find this in working policy, that the general conference in session mm-hmm. represents the voice of God speaking to the people. Okay. From the people to the people, so you get some application theologically of the incarnational uh, example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now okay. that's I've said a lot there, right? And it'll take some time. We'll take some time to unpack all that. Sure, sure. So I I heard one thing at the end there that. Our church recognizes the power and God's presence being with us as we come to make these decisions. Um, yes. And I also heard, and I think this is important for our listeners, that um, our unions are who send, send delegates to the general conference session, and it's all based on membership. So as we look at the divisions, um, they have there are a lot of delegates in unions based on the membership in those unions. And those allocations go through that process, reaching the broad spectrum of the church, but through representation. You can imagine it would be virtually impossible functionally to have 18 million people sitting trying to make decisions. Right. So just like in most um, governing things, it's a representative form of government. And I think we all understand that. Well, tell me. I think so. Every every member has, you know, go. Yeah. I mean, you have a constituency at sure. local conference level. Sure. You have a you have a group called a business meeting group at local congregation mm-hmm. level. They they once they meet and decide, that is uh, the group decision, in terms of representation for key positions of leadership, with the exception of a pastor. Right. A pastor is is decided upon by vote, discussion and vote of a local conference executive committee. Right. They are not pastors are not put in position of pastoral leadership by a congregation. This is where we differ from many other Protestant denominations. Okay. Now let's let's um, let's talk about the process in San Antonio, Texas next year. Delegates come from all of these uh, unions. Across our, across our world church, um, and they'll be making some major decisions, um, electing our leaders for our church. How is that process when the delegates gather? How does that process work when they gather together? Again, applying the principle of nomination. A nominating committee will be set up. That nominating committee is going to be driven primarily by representation from unions. Union presidents, therefore, will be on the nominating committee. Mm. You will also have representation from other areas within the structure, particularly in the uh, from the divisions. Okay. But the largest representation on that nominating committee will be union leadership. Wow. That's primarily the presidents. Okay. So you have union leaders are mainly 
the uh, there'll, there'll be a, a large portion of this nominating committee. Give me a ballpark number. How big is this nominating committee for a world church when delegates from all over gather? How large is this nominating committee? Okay, I don't have the exact number yet. That has not been finalized. Sure. It may have been finalized at the recent meeting of the annual council, but it's somewhere under 300. Wow. You know, it's interesting to think of a nominating committee because that's usually a smaller group that would num- number just under 300 or around 300. So that's just an interesting process. So who chairs this committee and what are some of the steps that they're taking when they gather together to make their decisions? Yeah. What, yeah. Okay, numerically, for example, at a local church, mm-hmm. you know, your nominating committee is going to be large, based primarily on the size of the church. I'll say, you know, to use comparison. So say a church of uh, uh, 100 or 200 wouldn't have 200 people on the nominating committee. Sure. You would have, based on how the church decides, you know, what it's going to be. And then at the conference level, the same thing. You will have a nominating committee. Uh, based on size, and it's all structured in the constituency or the constitution and bylaws. Uh, the uh, same thing happens at the union, and therefore that principle unfolds in its application once you get to a general conference session, you see, because divisions do not have a constituency. Divisions are are, are an integral part geographically of the general conference itself. So it's not unthinkable or doesn't even not get too unwieldy, mm-hmm. you know, for a general conference nominating committee, you know, to be, you know, a little less than 300. Right. Uh, last time I sat on the general conference nominating committee was 2005, 2005. My memory tells me it was around 260 people on that committee. Now, back to your question, mm-hmm. that nominating committee during the transition, is chaired by the general conference president. Okay. He convenes. He convenes the meeting, and uh, the uh, the agenda unfolds. Of course, following our uh, devotional, uh, the, the devotional element within our culture, organizational culture, uh, a chair is decided by the nominating committee who will serve as chair of the nominating committee. Okay. There will also be a vice chair selected by that group. There will be a secretary and an associate secretary. Those four will constitute the leader team for the nominating committee. Once that is decided, the general conference president steps out of that role and he becomes just a delegate because his term of office, like everybody else's terms of office at the general conference level, ends technically, legally, at that point, constitutionally. And so once that uh, group is decided, leadership group is decided, they will therefore decide, you know, when they will begin the nominating process. Okay, okay. And so they begin the nominating process. What is the first item on their agenda? Is it the selection the of election? The- the election of the general conference for the, the nomination. Okay. Let me clarify that. Sure. The nomination of a general conference president. Okay. All right. Now, just I'm and just that curious. is driven mm-hmm. that is driven by evaluative data. Okay. You know, we now have human resources departments at the general conference level and other levels or structures in the church, and so it's also 
cares with it performance reviews. You see, and all that data is put before the group as they discuss names. Now, they would more than likely, unless the general conference, the sitting general conference president retires going into the session, they will begin with the person who's holding that position. And, of course, other nominees. You don't just review that one. You go through others that are put on the board, and there is conversation, discussion, and the formal re uh, reviews of anybody's name that gets on that list. Well, you know, that's actually a difference that I've heard that I've not seen at any of our other levels where there's some sort of human resource, where there's some sort of evaluation process uh, rather than just um, a name coming up. It seems like there's a little more study done during this process. Yes, but it, it happens in many areas of the church. I can speak specifically at conference okay. and uh, union level, of course, now at the general conference level, having served the church at that level. Okay. Yes, that, that process, you know, follows those various steps. So there's a lot of conversation. Uh, what actually happens, however, only one name mm -hmm. comes out of that list that goes before the people for a uh, decision. Sure. So, you know, it's yeah. interesting. I've gone to a couple general conference sessions, and there are worship services at night, and there are reports that are being given. There are um, times for exhibits, and people are walking around. But at its heart, it seems like the general conference session is a business session. It is. Absolutely. That is what right. it is. It's right. a business session. Right. Well, as a regular member, if I'm not direct, I'm not elected as a delegate, um, couple questions. Am I able to sit in that process? Is there some sort of place I can sit and observe what is going on as they select a president, as they are conducting business, or are those sessions closed? Uh, generally, those are closed sessions. You have to be a voted member of the nominating committee. Okay. There are no observers. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, tell me, I'm, I am a member of our 18 million member church. How, why, why should I feel some sort of connection to this? Because many times as members, especially some of our younger members, they may feel very detached from this process. They may feel like this has nothing to do with it. Why should they have any sort of concern or interest in this whole process? Well, generally they will. If they are elected to serve as a delegate, they will. But if not? And that is a, an ongoing issue. How large should the re youth representation of the church be and uh, as delegates or even delegates at large? Okay. But if they are yeah. not selected, because, you know, sometimes a process that is an arm's length away from me seems like, you know, I, I, I have no co contact with it. I'm a, a member who may not even go to the general conference session. Why should they feel interested in the work that's happening in San Antonio next year? Next year. Well, they can if they go to San Antonio. Okay, they there's a the divisions will have caucus meetings. Okay. Okay, which anybody you know you can go and sit in that caucus, mm -hmm. particularly as a delegate. For North, for example, North America uh, has a caucus, and even at a session like this. Regional conferences will have a special caucus where they will function, function just like a union. Okay. So that conversation will take place and feedback, you know, will be given, you know, to uh, responsible persons who serve as delegates and get involved in the discussion. 
uh, when it com- when the uh, recommendation comes to the body at, at the business meeting when it goes to the floor. Right. I guess I'm wondering the work that's being done there. How will that affect me as a local church member? Should I even care about that, or I'll just have church and and be involved in church activities where I am and not be concerned about what's happening there? Why Why should a local member be concerned about what's happening at that level? Okay. Very good question. Very good question. And let me respond to it this way. As I said at the outset, you know, we in our church function with a principle of representative governance, okay? Mm -hmm. You are a citizen of a community, okay? okay? Right now, right tonight, people through representation are voting. Right. They're voting for people who will represent them at the level of Congress. Right. Just like you represent when it comes to a presidential election, for through representation, you have the right to vote. You know, if you vote, fine, you have said something. If you don't vote, you've also said something. Either I don't care or um, I care. Right. See? So that's representation. And so it moves up the level. Like you say, for presidential, it's every four years. For uh, Senate and House, it's every two years, you see, but it just follows that principle, the application. So we work, we even, you know, in the context of the larger culture of the country. Okay. See? Okay. And so what the church has done is applied that same principle, no matter where the culture is, it works the same way in Africa. Now, how does it apply in Africa? As I said, all the delegates who have been chosen to represent the church, for example, in South Africa, mm-hmm. when they come to meet with the world church representation, okay, mm-hmm. they will have their caucus meeting while the nominating committee or any other times is having a meeting, and they talk about issues within their division. Because right. remember, a division is the general conference in its geography. Okay. So you see how representation still works right. in the context of the larger culture. Okay. Okay. So it is. these are my representatives, and so I have a stake in what's going on at that level. And when they meet, you can talk with them. Okay. Good, good. Thanks for tuning in to the Pelk Power Tools podcast. We hope that this episode has been helpful to you. For more information on the show, yearly conferences, and power tools for your frontline ministry, visit us online at pastorsleadership.org. Help. Encounter. Equip. Explode.